0: Good evening thank you for coming welcome back round eight you versus yourself um, tonight's class has been dedicated by Henry Abbasera and this is in honor of his father's yard site Henry Abbasera and um, it's an honor of his father um Mesod Ben Rabbi Masod, ben Rabbi Avra, Avram, and his yard site was this past Sunday, Chav Hei Shvat. May his neshama have a great aliyah, and send a lot of bracha to him, his mishpacha, his family, extended family, and all that they need, all that they want, a lot of bracha to Chaki, and to everybody. All right. The This week not the partial class tonight, the, um, we left off in our last discussion. We're talking about the complexity of the human condition and the contradiction, the constant up and down of why at certain times we find ourselves in such brilliant light, in such a holy state of mind, And at times, we are in a very, very dark place. And we had mentioned in the earlier classes that that's not just circumstantial or something that happens from the outside, but it's a reflection of the innate state of the human being. The human soul is composed of two souls, a holy soul, a godly soul, and an animal soul, a lowly dark soul, dark consciousness. And our earlier classes, we began the exploration of the two souls. We are focusing for the last three to four classes already, maybe yeah, something like that, four to five classes, we are focusing on the godly soul. On the soul of light. And we had discussed in the previous class the nature of that soul. The inner anatomy and structure of that soul. and The soul is made up of ten powers. Make up its inner design, of the the the, uh, the design, the, the inner nature of the neshama, of the soul, how it operates. We mentioned that it's these ten powers are basically the human, in, the the intelligence of the soul, and the emotions of the soul, the intellect. It's the soul has the ability to know God, the object or the focus of this soul is Hashem. There's nothing else on the mind of this soul. There's nothing else in the only reality that the soul lives in is the reali- The only reality to this soul is, is, is God. Therefore, its intelligence is a godly intelligence. All of the energy, and intellectual energy, is towards the pursuit of divine knowledge. We all possess within ourselves the capability of exploring divinity, exploring God, knowing God, of course, in a limited manner because we are limited beings, but nevertheless, our neshama can know godliness. As a result of our exploration of the divine, we have also uh, an emotional dimension, an em- emotional powers. So, in 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 as a result, as a consequence. Of a thorough Intellectual uh, pursuit and, and grasp of godliness That will evoke Inspire, stimulate And awaken very very deep And powerful emotions There are seven emotions to the soul But mostly The two primary emotions Are the emotions of chesed and gavura. The other emotions are offshoots The emotions of chesed and gevura Is the emotion of attraction Which is chesed and contraction which sometimes expresses itself as love and as fear. So in our relationship with God, it comes through a, when a person has a great understanding of the divine, they can experience intense feelings towards Hashem. As we discussed, to the point where their soul raptures with intense passion, with fiery fiery love, like blazing coals. And... uh, where the soul is ready, where the person is ready to pass out, it's called klosa nefesh, expiration of the soul. That's how intense it could get. It could get, doesn't necessarily mean it will get that way, but it could get that, to that state. We all have the capacity, as a, it, it, as a result of our neshama, of our soul, we have the capacity for that. Meaning, we have, of course, the blockages of our, of our body and the blockages of our animal soul but in terms of the intrinsic power of the soul, we have the ability to experience very rich, deep, powerful emotion of love towards Hashem. Also, we can experience intense awe and fear of Hashem. To the point of shaking and quaking in the presence of Hashem, like described by Matan Torah, vayanu Vayamdu The people were sweating and they stood at a distance. So these are the intense, this is the, the, the uh, emotional aspect of our nishama. So we have the intelligence and we have the emotions. Now in, as we continue the exploration of the soul we're going to address now another dimension of the soul and they are called the garments of the soul. This is not just another power, it's a different kind of power. Mm-hmm. We are now at the beginning of the fourth chapter of Titania where he, where he explores the powers of thought, speech, and action. Thought, speech, and action are three powers which are called the garment of the soul. It's not called kochos ha-nefesh, the power of the soul. It's called levushe ha-nefesh, the garments of the soul. Why is it by calling it a garment? there is it gives us understanding in how different these powers are than the other powers, than the ten powers that make up the inner structure and the inner design of the soul. These powers are far more external. There are they are to a, they are far more disconnected from the inner human being as as the other powers. The other powers are who you are. These powers are means through which you express yourself. Means in which person comes to the out, just like the element of a physical garment. A physical garment, even though the garment enclothes the person, a person enters into their garments, invests themselves in their garments, yet the garment is not you. The garment is separated from you. As we can see, that whenever we choose, we can divest, divest ourselves from the garment. We can remove the garment. So that's the idea of a garment. It contains the person, but at the same time is not the person. Thought, speech, and action is also the same. Thought, speech, and action is not the person. They're not who you are. They're interchangeable, you can remove them, put them on, take them off. And your jacket you can take off instantly when you want. Your hat you can take off as soon as you decide you want to take off your hat. At at, in a split second, you can take off and remove a garment. Um, not so with the powers of the soul. The powers of the soul are more are far more etched and make up. They're not the soul itself. We, we, we pointed this out when we spoke about the powers of the soul initially. The soul can't be a composite of 10 powers. The soul is a single entity that doesn't have any, any particular shape and form, but this is a design that is deeply etched in the soul, and these are the powers of the soul. So they are more compared to like the body, the relationship of the body and the soul. The soul and the body are also two separate elements, not one thing. The soul enters the body. But when the soul enters the body, it reaches complete fusion, it complete, become one unit. And you can't decide that, you, that, the, that the Nishama can't decide that it wants to leave the body. It stays and unified, and one with the body, as long as God wants the soul to reside in the body. Of course, a person can do a ridiculous act of harming themselves and causing their soul to leave, but it's not a choice of the soul that it can decide to move out of the body. The same is also the unification of the person with their powers, with their ideas, with their intelligence. When you have a certain philosophy, when you have a certain ideology, when you have a certain um, um, mindset and a view on life, You can't undo that view when you choose to do so. Just because you say, I don't want to understand so. I don't want to. Or feelings, emotions, drives, loves, wants, appetites, cravings, passions, fears. These aren't things that you can just shed and change. It's not the soul itself because they do change. A person's philosophies, a person's ideas, a person's emotions change. But they change at a very slow pace. And when a person is very young, you have other kinds of desires and other kinds of passions and other kinds of wants. And when you reach maturity, as you get older, there is a change, an inner change. But it's a very slow transformation. It happens bit by bit over a long period of time. There is a change in a person's desires and wants and the like. The reason why it takes so long is because it's you, it's the very inner human being. Thought, speech, and action are things that can be removed and stopped immediately. You can change them, just like a garment, you can remove it instantly. For instance, if you're holding a middle doing an activity, You're giving your son a haircut. And you're invested in the haircut. You really want him to have a nice haircut. And in the midst, your phone rings. So you stop, or you could stop if you choose to do so, and stop the haircut. And you get into a conversation. And you can get so disconnected from the haircut, you don't even realize that he's sitting there with his hair half shorn and half on, and he's screaming, dad, dad, you don't even know because you're somewhere else. So here you have completely disconnected yourself from an act, from an activity that you've been doing. Same as also in conversation. You're sitting wi- with a good old acquaintance of yours, a friend, and you're having coffee in Starbucks and you're in the middle of a conversation, and you're really into the conversation. It's, a, it's an exciting conversation. And suddenly you look at your watch and you notice that you're 10 minutes late for a carpool. You must run and pick up your kid. So you stop instantly in the middle of the conversation. Even though you've been invested in that conversation, you can halt, stop, get in and do something else. Because the conversation, the words, words, speech is a garment which you can shed, you can remove it. Same as in thought. You can be deeply immersed in certain thoughts. Let's say you're sitting and you're planning, you know you have a hectic day tomorrow you need to organize your mind. Organize yourself for the next day. What you're gonna do first, what you gonna do later, and you're thinking about it. And then in the middle, something of importance comes up. You need to do something. So you stop, you're hungry. Suddenly you feel very hungry. I need to eat right now. So you go and you go and you eat. You stopped. So you stopped the thought in the middle of the of the of the thought. You'll get back to it later, but right now you stopped So you see that thought, speech, and actions are things that you can remove. You cannot tell yourself at, at, at a moment, at a moment's notice, if you have a feeling, if you have a relationship with someone, if you have a love towards someone, and you realize that this is not good for you, this isn't healthy, this is not to your benefit. this is leading you, in and in this is detrimental to your spiritual well-being, or to your physical well-being, your psychological well-being. you can't just decide. To do away with the love. I don't love them anymore. Finished. It's out. Finished. My heart is now cold or un, uncaring or not not involved. Oh, can't do that. What you can do is you can do actions of or stop try to stop thinking about that person and try to remove yourself and not 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 engage in in the relationship not to actualize the relationship, not to continue conversing with them and the like, communicating or whatever, if it's necessary. I'm talking in a situation where that would be important. But you can't stop the love just because you so choose so. You could, through a long period of time of not pursuing the relationship, of keeping a distance, the love, the feeling will slowly wane wane and, and dissipate after a period of time, or you can go to therapy and do other things and try to change the emotion. But it takes a lot of effort, can't happen just like that. Same is also with ideas, the same is also with understanding, with intellect. If you have a certain world view, you have ideas, philosophies, ideologies in which you believe in, and then someone tells you not to believe in it, someone tells you it's wrong just because someone told you and even if you trust this person, you can't just change your thoughts. You can't just you can change your thought. You can't change the idea. You can't change the way you're thinking, your ideology, just like that. You need to study. You need to learn. If someone has, let's say, in politics, someone has very very conservative views, and uh, whatever, they would decide that they want to uh, decide they want to. Uh, in incorporate or become more liberal in the way of thinking. You can't just decide that well if you want. You can read literature and and, and, and uh, go uh, to certain lectures and talks and whatever and expose yourself to a liberal v- worldview and then uh, eventually you might begin to feel that way or vice versa, the opposite, person can move. But again, it, it, it takes a while. The same is also in terms of religiosity. The person has been living a more secular life, with secular beliefs, not just a secular behavior, but a secular belief system and the like, where you're not thinking about God and, and purpose and in that sense of purpose, purpose in, in a religious sense. And, in a, and, um, and then you can't just instantly make a change of believing in everything. If you go to, of course, if you go to yeshiva, you go to seminary, you go to study, you learn, you attend a class, For a long period of time, there is an internal change. We can acquire this understanding and change your belief system. Because this is an inner change. It's not an external thing, it's an internal element. Which isn't the case with, uh, but thought, speech, and action is external. It's a momentary, it's an outer thing. Put it on, take it off. Same like a garment. So that is one element. Another element that illustrates this idea how thought, speech, and action are external to the human being. They're not you. they're external to the human being. A change in your garment does not constitute a change of the person. A change, however, of your emotions and a change of your and a change of worldview, change of philosophy constitutes a complete the human being has changed. It's a different person. right If you're meeting, you met a person, and uh, they were living a life devoid, I might say, of spirituality or devoid of, of, uh, of observance or, or religion in their life, for instance. And then, you know, that's how you know them. Then they went off to yeshiva. They come back two or three years later. You speak to the person. It's a different person. Their whole pursuit, their whole, all their passions, desires, and wants are different. They don't care for the things they cared about before. Now there are other things that are meaningful to them. This is a human being that has changed. Same. So if a person changes emotionally, a person changes intellectually, it's another human being. If a person changes their thought, a person changes their speech, a person changes a particular action, it's only a change of the action, it's not a change of the person. For instance, if you meet someone on the street and you put on tefillin with this individual, So they put on tefillin. That's a mitzvah, incredible mitzvah. On the outside, did the person change? Of course, spiritually, a deep change took place. You planted a seed of godliness into the soul of this individual, and mitzvah Gererah's mitzvah, eventually this mitzvah will, will bring them to the performance of other mitzvahs. Today, tomorrow, there might suddenly be an urge within them, something, a new discovery, a new desire, a quest where they themselves don't know where this quest is coming from, to research their soul, to research uh, holiness and Judaism and, and the like. That might happen. But that's mystical. I'm not talking on a mystical level. I'm talking about on, 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 on the apparent on the outside. You do a mitzvah with someone, they did the mitzvah, they go on and they continue being the same person that they were before. There's no transformation, metamorphosis that happened within the human being, at least to our outer eyes, because it's only an act. An act is an external thing. It's an action. Same as also speech. If a person says a, b- a blessing, or said a bracha, or said something, and repeat it after you, that's not, doesn't constitute an internal transformation. And the thought is the same. However, emotions, intellect, a change of them is a change of the person. Okay. So all of this expresses how all of this conveys the idea how thought, speech, and action are not you. They're outside, like a garment which isn't the person. But now let's for a moment stop and think about what is the use of a garment? What do we need a garment? The purpose of a garment is for revelation. A person that wants to reveal themselves, wants to come to the outside, when you're alone, you don't need the garment. If you're going to the outside, coming into the world, going out into the, out of your home, out of your room, out of, to be, to mingle with people, you need a garment. So the, 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 the point of the garment is presentation, to reveal yourself, to come out to the out. The same is also when we're going to apply thought, speech, and action. Thought, speech, and action is also a means of expression, a means of of coming out. Okay? What does that mean? Let's talk for for a moment about thought. Thought is the manner in which you get to, thought is a garment through which you, you reveal yourself to yourself. Without your thoughts, you don't know what's going on in the inside. Thoughts take the hidden, dormant, or subconscious human being and reveal it into the conscious arena, onto the outside. Now, we said earlier, you don't need a garment for yourself. You only need a garment to appear to others. So why do you need the garment of thought to reveal yourself to yourself? And the answer is because the soul is revealing itself to the body. So there's also an element of an outside. So in order for the soul to convey, to reveal itself to the body, it is important the soul requires the garment. And that's the manner in which it comes out. So all the thoughts are doing is, they're bringing out, they're they're transporting hidden things to the revealed. So for instance, the human being has a a whole wide variety. We each have a wide, a wide variety of emotions, feelings, friendships, love, fears that we have. But these, these feelings and these emotions are buried deep, deep inside, inside our soul. We might not know about it. For instance, right now, right now, we're listening to a class, right, we're here. To the now, think about this right at this moment there are within your in your heart feelings towards people let's imagine when you were a young teenager As you were 13 14 you had a teacher a teacher that you really really connected with a teacher that you really loved a teacher that you were full of admiration he or she really cared for you took care of you was really so nice so kind lifted you up made so much made you so much of who you are and that was that teacher. Now, now you're many, many, many years later. You are forgotten about this teacher. It's not in your mind. Now, of course, deep inside you harbor feelings. You feel the admiration. You feel the affection. There is a feeling of love. There is an emotion. But the emotion is concealed. It is hidden. If right now we're talking about this feeling and you start thinking about it, shouldn't think too much because you want to be listening to this year. But if you... <laughs> Allow that thought, suddenly, you you suddenly feel that love. You feel that emotion to this childhood acquaintance, to this childhood friend or teacher or whoever it was that you really loved, but you haven't, but it's been it receded into the into the into the cellars, into the storage, into the memory bank or hidden. So now when you're thinking about it, it is emerging. And you actually feel the emotion. And the longer you'll think about that person the more of an expression you will give to that emotion. So the emotion is surfacing, it's revealing itself to you. And the same is so many, how many feelings do we have towards so many things that we've encountered, we've experienced, that we've experienced, but it's all in a dormant state. So the thought is, is the garment through which these emotions enter into our, into our conscious, uh, into our stream of consciousness. But that's only a revelation to yourself. Your teacher and your friend that is living far off in another state, or another city, another country, just because you're feeling that feeling and you're re-experiencing re- strong affection, strong love towards that individual, they are oblivious to it. They don't know about it at all. They're busy doing whatever they're doing and they're unaware of this ancient friend of theirs who is now re-experiencing a relationship, re-experiencing the love. However, because of your thought, what is going to happen next, you might choose to pursue it further, which means you're gonna do a little little, uh, inquiry online. Today it's so easy to find old acquaintances through I don't know what the latest uh, manner of doing it, whether it's on Facebook or the like and you're looking for this person and you find this individual and you pick up the phone and you call them so now when you call this person and you say hello hi oh well so you have this reunion on the phone so now you communicated that feeling that love that affection that friendship that you have towards this individual is now being transmitted outside of you But in order for it to be transmitted outside of you, it needs the garment. Which garment This is the second garment? The garment of speech takes it to the next state of revelation, where it can be noticed and and felt and transmitted to to someone outside. But then there is the third garment. And the third garment is the garment of thought, and the garment of action, garment of deed. What is the garment of deed? It's through deed, that you communicate your feelings, your ideas into the physical environment around us, because you can communicate. See, through speech you can communicate, but you can only communicate it to other human beings, and to human beings who speak your language. In order to be able to communicate it into the the, the into the into the other elements in this world, for that you need the the to transmit it through action. So for instance, you have someone like a Holocaust survivor. Well, we can imagine, have gone through the Holocaust, the, the the types of feelings that are within this person, the deep, deep, intense feelings, whether it's feelings of anger and rage, whether it's feelings of, of, of gratefulness that they survived, whether it's feelings of pain and horror of the of experience, whether it's whatever kind of feelings that the person has deep inside from the from these from these uh, from this very 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 horrific period in their life okay and you want to shear that because like you're, you're keeping all these all bottled up within you within yourself so you want to make that known because you don't want it to happen again you want others to be aware of that such kind of such atrocity should never the world shouldn't be capable of doing this ever again therefore we have to have the knowledge and the and the and the uh, people have to be aware of it so you have to spread the awareness. So you can go, a person, and speak to others. So through speech, you're communicating these feelings to the outside and the like. But that might not, that's thats limited. You want to make something that will carry this memory and carry your message, which you want to give, and you want it to be etched in more of a permanent thing, not just in, in people's minds, but in something. So what you, would you can do is you're, you're building a museum or you're building a statue or you're building some other monument which is going to express the idea, the idea of whatever, whatever the idea that you're conveying, whatever you want to, whether it's the ultimate triumph of goodness over darkness, even when it gets, seems to be very, very bad, or whether it's the idea of never again or things like that where hate can lead people if it goes unchecked and the like. So you want to convey it into something. So by sculpturing a sculpture, by making a museum and the like, you now gave it an existence. You took your, and what, what, is, what is etched in, these, in this monument? What is put into it? It's the feeling of the artist. It's the feeling or the one who, who, who hired the artist and, 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 and designed it or, or asked for this design is being now projected and being imprinted into this, into the substance. And the same as for in going back to the, your childhood uh, friend or teacher that you like, you love so much. If you don't want it to just be one phone call, you want it to be a lasting memory. So you take that, that, that feeling, and what you conveyed already on the phone, but now you want to Take a poem that you wrote for that person, or a message, and you want to engrave it onto something. You know, they will hang it on their wall, or leave it on their desk. So here you've imprinted, what have you done? Here you have an emotion, a feeling, which is, in which is coming from your inner world, expressed and etched and put into something of a, of, a, of, a, of a, in the outside physical physical world, outside of you. For that you need the means or the garment of of action. So you have thought, speech and action. Three levels of revelation. Revelation to self revelation to others but others that are like you human beings. So that's a a farther revelation but it's not so far. And then a revelation into an inanimate object and the like. Or you're taking art or the like and you're painting a painting putting it into a So that's the ultimate or final form of expression. Three forms of expression, three garments. Now, (coughs) why do you need garments? If you want to express, why can't the expression just express? Why can't that which is being expressed express itself without a garment? Let it just be revealed. Why does it need a garment? And the reason for that is because the interesting thing about garments are clothing and garments reveal and conceal at the same time. It has two opposite functions to it. It's revealing and it's concealing. It's revealing. Let's take physical garments. Without, without the garment, you can't reveal. can't present yourself. You put on the garment. Someone knocks on your door and you're not dressed properly. You can't come to the door. You get dressed. Now I'm here. So this is a means of revelation. But on the other hand, what does the garment do? The garment is concealing. It's blocking. But it's not total concealment because the garment is shaped and formed to reveal the person. So You're not dressing yourself in a rag. If you get dressed in a sack in a rag, then you have a total concealment. The point of the, of the garment is to hide, but to reveal. A minimal or a partial revelation. That's the idea of a garment. So the garments, that's why the garments need to be a proper garment, is a garment that is fitted to your size. And when we say fitted to your size doesn't only mean fitted to your physical size, it means also fitted to your personality, to who you are, to what type of person you are. Right? People that are very, very uh, cool and funky will wear a very funky pair of glasses, which express their type of person that they are, their hip style of person that is more conservative and well wear other kind of glasses and the like. So the garment actually expresses the nature of what type of person that you are. So the garment is concealing and the garment is, 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 is revealing. It reveals in a measured way. Because without the garment, there's too much revelation. The recipient can't handle it. So you need the garment to be able to minimize the revelation so that it can be received by the recipient. Now the same is also in thought, speech, and action. Thought, speech, and action act as a garment in the sense that they conceal, but they're also revealing. Let's talk a minute for thought. Your thoughts convey to you your emotions, but the human emotion is so deep, so powerful. If the emotion would emerge into our heart, into our consciousness, unchecked, not through the words of the mind, which is the thoughts that you're thinking, and the emotion would just come, the heart couldn't take it, it would explode. When, when, a, when, when, when a, for example, a mother is holding her little baby, and this is your baby that you love so much, if you would feel the emotion, and the emotion would not be filtered through thought, and the emotion would just emerge as it is, the mother might smother her child in her love the mother and the same is also if you would feel anger or towards a towards an individual and that kind of anger is not going through your thought it would just emerge then it can be very devastating it can be very destructive so that's why we have a filter what the thought is is that it reveals a little bit but it hides a lot in thought there is a lot of revelation minimal concealment there is some concealment, because the emotion cannot emerge in its full intensity. The Same is also the ideas. If concepts and ideas would emerge not through the words of thought, but they would just emerge as, as is, boom, we couldn't, our brain couldn't handle it. So it comes through a series of sentences, and sentences are made up of words, and words are made up of letters, each letter holds a little bit of the idea, so it comes piece by piece, so we're able to receive it, we'll be able to understand it. That's thought. Same is also in speech. Speech communicates. As you said earlier, you're communicating your feelings to others. When you, have, when you spend some time with a person in conversation, you get to know them. You get to know their aspirations, their goals, their desires, and their ambitions, and their... Their, uh, and their and their and their and their and uh, their passions or whatever other things, and their fears and the like. Right now, if you have another way of communicating it, not through words, but you would just look. You would meet an o- a person, and you would do a. You would like to have these. I don't, know, I don't see lately see them. Where you be maybe I guess I'm not uh, that advanced in modern technology. But I remember there was a time when people would use what we call beaming. I beam the information to your computer to your phone, it's just, I have my contact information, I just beam it. So if we can beam emotions and beam all of our feelings and our personality to another human being and not have to explain it or give it through conversation and through words. That would be too intense. You wouldn't be able to have a relationship with anybody. You would spill all the beans in one shot, instantly, bang, this is who I am, here is all, psh, this is all my, <laughs> all of my laundry, everything that I have, everything the good or the bad, it's too intense, too much, slowly. Get to know you, get to know more about you. Good things, not such good things, I can handle it. Comes in piece by piece. Because it comes through speech, speech is a garment, it's a garment that conceals, it hides, it gives you exposure only to a little bit of it, the amount that you can handle, I can't give you the whole feeling because I'm the only one who can feel the whole feeling, and even as we said earlier, even you can't feel the whole feeling, as it really is, the, the, the depth of it, but at least we can feel most of it, the other person can only feel a little bit of it, and that's what the speech does. So words are revealing, they are concealing at the same, and conceal more than speech. And then we have, of course, action, deeds and actions, give expression to the feelings that we have, to the emotions that we have, but again through it in a limited fashion. So here we have, that's the concept, that's the utility of garments. The utility of the garments is help the person express himself to the outside. Now, on the other hand, see we had mentioned earlier how the garment of thought, speech, and action, how garments are not you, not the person. But on the other hand, Garments, as we said now, just had mentioned, garments express the person. You put yourself into your garments. So the garment itself is not you, but they express you, and you're invested in the garments. So we know that when people wear clothing, as mentioned earlier, everybody wears clothing that is that should be, or at least that's what clothing, the function of clothing is, to give people an idea of who you are and what you are. That's why we have concepts of uniform. A police officer wears clothing that are authoritative, that command or that express authority. And a fireman wears the fireman's clothing, not only because he has to wear that clothing just in case there's a fire. A certain, you know, this is who I am. And the painter dresses like a painter, at least when they're in their business, when they're in their business attire, when they're in the business mode, they wear the clothing that is, exp- even even, even. one person during the course of the day can change clothing. Is when you're going to work, you're wearing more um, dressing up in a more serious manner. So these are clothing that are business-like. And what you're the, the mode that you're giving off is, this is not, uh, I mean business. And then there is, you know, if you're going out to just a party or the like, you wear casual clothing. With The casual clothing conveys and expresses that you're free now. You're free, you're open, you're not rigid and, 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 and firm, but light and the like. So the clothing express the human being. Not, now, here's the thing. Clothing express a person, but of course clothing, as we mentioned earlier, it has an element of concealment and it's possible for a person to use clothing to completely conceal themselves. But that is not the normal function of garments. The normal function of garment is to express. There is the possibility and the element of a garment which a garment comes to conceal. For instance, on Purim, we will wear clothing, that is, we put on a costume. What is the aspect of a costume? A costume is completely blocking. It's not conveying. And the whole ridiculousness of a costume is the farther it, o- it is from who you really are, the more concealing it is from what you really are, the better and the funnier the costume is. But that's a costume. That's not normal garments. Normal garments are here to convey and to express you. And the same is also in thought, speech, and action. Our thought, speech, and action is usually consistent with who we are in the inside. The normal, what are your thoughts? What kind of thoughts come to your mind in your, what do you think about? You think about things that are important to you, things that you are connected with. So if you're sitting in your daydreaming, what, what, where, where, where will your daydreaming go to? It will go to things that you have a passion for, that you're connected to, things that you don't care about, you won't think about. I won't sit and think about extraterrestrial beings. Why? Because my thoughts, I don't, it uh, doesn't interest me. So I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about, I don't think about hockey. I don't care about hockey. I never thought about, never gave it, I don't have any investment, emotional investment in hockey. So I don't think about it. Other people, if they have free time, their mind goes to hockey because they're very strongly connected to, to that sport they have a caring and a connection to it so but mentioned earlier it's not always that way see there is there is a possibility of having thoughts that are concealing and hiding completely the person a costume you can have costumes in your thought as well for instance a person could think thoughts that are not consistent with they're not true to who they're covering up on who you are, they're not expressing who you are. For instance, it says one of the actually, a positive, a positive element of this is that, per, that when you have feelings that you don't like, feelings that you know are not healthy for you, they're not good for you, it's possible to think thoughts that are contradicting that feeling, and even though they're not true at this moment, but hopefully by wearing that kind of a garment, that kind of a thought, it will minimize the, the emotion, the feeling. For instance, if you're feeling anger towards someone, and you, and, you, and you don't like, you don't want to feel the anger, so you can change the anger by doing what? By thinking thoughts that are inconsistent to the, to the feeling what you're feeling. You're feeling rage, and therefore you want to think about negative elements about this individual. But what you're doing is, You are purposely choosing to think about the good of that person, to counter the emotion, to minimize the emotion. So that's like wearing a garment that is not, that is covering on your soul. It can be an unhealthy element of that is, that sometimes a person, because you're afraid to be true to your feelings, because you have a fear, because certain emotions are just too painful and too hurtful, so you create within yourself a system of thoughts that are blocking the true feeling of what you're feeling. So again, too, you're hiding behind the mask. And then, of course, that's the job of a therapist to work that out and figure out what's really there and the like. But the idea is that you see that, again, most of the times, thoughts are expressing the person. At times, it could be concealing. Same is also speech. Speech, people reveal themselves. most of the time through their speech. if You have interaction with someone, you conversation, you get to know about them. You get to know their interests and their wants. But, of course, a person can be lying and be deceptive. And a person can be talking one thing and their heart is completely in a different place. But again, that's a costume. That's a person hiding and, and behind their garment and the same is in action. So, here we have over here, so that's another very important idea about thought, speech, and action. Thought, speech, and action are not you, they're outside elements, they're generally used as means of expression, but since they're not the person, you're able to block yourself behind and hide behind the thought, speech, and action. But there is one more very important element, and that is that a garment is not just generated by the person. It's not just affected or created by, by your emotions and by your feelings and the like. A garment is something that you actually clothe yourself in. You dress yourself in the garment. So it's not only produced by the person, but you are within that garment. So if we're talking about thought, speech, and action, the thoughts that a person has which convey their emotions and convey their feelings, it's not only consistent and matching with a certain emotion with a feeling, but it's much more than that. It's the feeling itself spills into the thought, spills into the speech, spills into the actions. Meaning the words themselves contain the emotion. Just like a person is If you choose to wear the garment, then you are within that garment. So it would mean something like this, that when you are speaking words, loving words to to someone, it's not just that you have the emotion in your heart, in your mind, and you're telling that person about the emotion that you have. You're taking the emotion itself You're inserting it into these words and the emotion is coming out. That's why if you have a very intense emotion, someone saved your child. Someone risked their life to save your child. And you come to tell that person thank you. So whatever you're going to say, a short sentence or two, those words are, you can feel, sense as the words are cracking up or the words are breaking because... The words are filled, they're overwhelmed with the emotion. The words are dripping with the love. It's saturated with the feeling of thankfulness and gratitude towards that person. Or if you're feeling, or if you're very angry. So it's not only angry words that were produced by the anger. The words themselves are angry words. There's an- That's why you can hear it in the picture, the voice. They're very loud. Because there's there is a feeling. Or when you're very passionate about something and you're speaking about something that is, someone is reading a poem, a poem that they wrote expressing very deep feelings towards another person or towards about an event and the like, and the words are alive with emotion. So there's a pasik that says, nafshi yatsa bidabrei, my soul pours out when I am speaking. So the person puts himself into the words, your thoughts, you're invested in your thoughts. The words are, c- the words are vessels which contain the emotions, contain the ideas, and the same is an art as well. The art contains within itself the feelings of the artist. It's there, that's good art. Good art is when the picture, when, when the when the when the painting is alive, when you can look at it and experience the experiences of the artist see what, what feelings they had, and it's in, it's in the painting itself. So that's the power of thought, speech, and action. They convey, they express, and the person is invested in them. But on the other hand, they're concealing, and they're not you. Now, our soul, we, we, we all have the power of thought, speech, and action, but what Tanya is gonna tell us now is very interesting. That being that we have two souls, and as we mentioned earlier, each of our souls is an entire personality. Every soul is an entire being. So our godly soul has its 10 powers, and it also has its designated garments, its powers of expression. Our animal consciousness, our animal soul, has its its thought, speech, and action complete different world of thought, speech, and action. The thought, speech, and action, which means the behavioral element of the godly soul, is expressive of the godly content. Because we said earlier, these are garments, and the point of a garment is to express. And therefore, what kind of thought, speech, and action is emanating from the godly soul? Well, it's only expressing what it is. And what is inside the inner world of the godly soul? Godliness. That's why all thoughts, speech, and action will be thoughts and speech and action that are drawing a person closer to God. So if we're trying to wonder what, what kind of thoughts comes from your nisham? Well, it's thinking about Hashem. It's thinking about enhancing your relationship, getting closer to Him. What kind of speech comes from the godly soul? How do you know when your neshama is speaking? Well, if it's words that are expressing feelings, words of spiritual content, words of a desire and the like of connecting to God, and the same is also actions. But really, he takes it a step further. The thought, speech, and action of the godly soul is not only expressing what the soul desires and what the nishama wants, but it's actually fulfilling and actualizing those very desires. Because when a person has emotions towards another human being, feelings towards someone, if you have love towards someone, you want to actualize that love. The action that you do is not only, here's the interesting thing, the action that you're doing or the words that you're speaking are not only means of expressing your feelings to the outside, but they're actually means of achieving that, the, the, the connection, the desire of what you want. Because what do you want? You want the relationship. You wanna draw closer. How are you gonna draw closer to that person? Just by increasing your love and having more and more, far more intense feelings of love towards that person, you're not gonna get closer. You're getting closer within you, but you're not really getting close. To get really close to the other individual It requires the expression and the reaching for the other person. How do you reach from the other person? Through speech and through action. So the same is also to make your connection with God real. For the soul to actually connect to Hashem, it needs to actualize it through speech and action. Thought, speech, and action. So that's why the thought, speech, and action of the soul are the thought, speech, and action of Torah and Mitzvah. All of the Torah and all of the mitzvahs evolve behavior. It's not, the commandments are not directed towards the inner human being. The commandments are all demanding a certain behavior. The Torah is telling us, do this, don't do that. Say this, don't say that. Think this, don't think that. The Torah is not commanding us in the realm of feeling. There are some mitzvahs that do very few mitzvahs that are a commandment regards to a feeling, like there is a mitzvah to love God and there's a mitzvah to fear God. But over there, too, the commentaries explain the mitzvah is not the love, the mitzvah is not the fear, because you can't command that. As we said earlier, it's not within a person's control to decide I want to love somebody takes a long time to develop it. So the mitzvah, if God is commanding us to love him every day, or to fear him every day, it means think loving thoughts. Think thoughts which are conducive to developing love. Same is also with fear. Same is also with love another, another Jew. Love a, another Jew, as the commentators explain, is not speaking about feelings in the heart. What is really the commandment, if someone wants to fulfill the commandment by the letter of the law, The mitzvah itself is to act lovingly towards someone, to behave lovingly. Like Hillel said to the convert, what you don't want to be done to you, don't do to others. It's the behavior that is required. So all of Torah and mitzvahs revolve the garments. And in Torah and mitzvahs, God is giving us a set of garments through which our soul can garb itself our neshama can express its feelings and its aspirations, its desires to cleave and to bond with God, how will it actualize? How will that materialize? By the soul expressing it through the thought, speech, and action of Torah and mitzvahs. The thought, speech, and action are going to serve as an instrument of connecting to God, but also the neshama itself invests itself, garbs itself, finds itself in the mitzvah in the act that you're doing. You take your love and you pour your love into the mitzvah, what you're doing, that which you're doing, or when you're studying Torah. So we're going to discuss Ezra Hashem in the following class next week, how exactly that garbing takes place. How does the soul dress itself in Torah and mitzvahs? Because just like the physical body, if we take a look at the physical body, we generally have clothing for all the parts of the body. But it's a different kind of a garment. You don't wear the same garment. You don't put a hat on your feet and a sock on your head. Right? Your socks go on your feet and your hat is on your head. So the same is with the soul garments. The soul has particular garments for the other parts, for the various parts of the nisham. The intellect of the soul has its garment. Primarily thought Torah study is the manner w- in which we're enclothing our intellect into a holy garment, which is Torah study. The emotions of the soul are vested, enclosed in the performance of mitzvahs. The emotion of love is enclosed in the performance of positive mitzvahs, all the do's that the Torah tells us to do, and the emotion of awe and fear of God is enclosed in the prohibitive commandments by refraining and not doing that which God tells us not to do that's how we are that's how uh, we're expressing our fear to Hashem but Be'ezer Sashem we're going to discuss that in, in the following class but what we leave off with today is the understanding of as, as we're going to see something really amazing is that the even though the garments of the soul are considered to be external and compared to the emotions towards the intellect of the soul itself, but in terms of our relationship with God, the main and the most pivotal element of our relationship is not the inner dimension of the soul, but it's the garment. The garments take us f- much farther in our relationship with God than the soul itself, than the inside of the nishama. And that's what the idea is, that in a mitzvah, our connection to God is much deeper and much stronger than just in terms of, and than merely the feelings of the soul. The feelings of the soul are limited. The mitzvah is unlimited. But Ezra Sashem, we're going to discuss that next week. If there's any questions. Yes. I have a question. I'm yeah. Really sure yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference between? Mhm. And anger, intense love, or in their speech or action, their inner self is coming through their garment. Just like the garment is not you. But you're fine. But the per, but you dress yourself. You put your very self into that garment. Really us? Yeah. Because that even when you're feeling intense anger, you can decide not to wear a garment of anger. Which means you're in control. That when the thought, when the emotion is bubbling and bubbling very strongly and it pours over into thoughts, you're thinking about it because someone upset you and you can't stop thinking about it all day long. It just keeps on, you can say, you know what, I'm not thinking about this now. And you can change, divert your attention and think something else. So the thought, you see how the thought element is a garment. You can take it off. I don't have to think this. I can think something else. Now it'll we'll probably come back in a couple of moments, right? They'll probably come back. But that's not because of the thought. That's because of the emotion. Because the emotion is so aggravated or agitated, the emotion is so bubbling, so intense right now, that it's fighting to express itself. So as you pull your thought away from it, it's pulling. It's trying to get your thought back. It's trying to get your attention. But when it does it, and it catches your attention again and again it's projecting its feeling into it, you can wrestle your thought away from it again and say, you no, know, I'm not going to think this." So every person can do that, yeah, news, yeah, five minutes later, you might want to turn back to hear the news again because you have that curiosity, or two minutes later, but at every given moment, you can say well i'm I'm not going to think this, I'm turning the dial to to another station, yeah." So we generally know who we are, see? The, the, the thoughts and the speech, it's when you see a person dressed in a certain way, generally you get a feeling of who they are, what kind of person they are, right? Gen- you get some idea. Now again, a person could be deceptive, but if a person is not trying to do that, so when they're dressed in a certain way, you get some idea of who they are. So when we want to know who we are, we look at what kind of thoughts we're generating. That's how we know who we are. But it's still not you. It's something that is conveying you. And that's why there is a certain disconnect. You could disconnect your your garment. Yeah. At His garments. We're going to see soon. Yeah. Hashem's Hashem's garments. God also wears garments to appear to the world. And what are His garments? In some way the creation is a garment. But the real, real garment of God, Hashem's real royal garments is the Torah. Is the Torah and the mitzvahs, that's His garments. And that's how we get to know Him by looking at the way He dresses. Every mitzvah is another another one of his garments. And then when our, and we explore his garments, that's how we make our connection to him, as we're going to elaborate next week, Pastor